0: We are like five episodes away from a hundredth episode and to celebrate, we're compiling an episode of Your Voices. And I really, I'd love to hear from you. Let's just say that. I would love to hear from you. There's two really simple steps that you need to do and follow to be a part of this episode. So come and celebrate and share your learning. So step one is pick your favorite learning from the show. It could be a tip that you've applied to your monthly menstrual cycle, something you've heard one of our beautiful guest speakers mention, and you've applied that an aha moment, a complete shift. Maybe it's completely changed your life. Whatever it is, I want you to pick your favorite learning. And then step two, head over to this awesome website, speakpipe.com forward slash Gemma there you'll see a little button and you can press this and it's going to record your voice for 90 seconds now I want you to let me know in this 90 seconds your name where you're from and share your favorite learning next step is my job and I'm going to be popping all of these together for a special hundredth episode that is coming out in only a few weeks time Yes, I'm very excited about sharing your voice on the podcast. I put this whole podcast together for you to help you becoming a well woman. And now I would love to hear from you. I would love to share your voice on the podcast. So I look forward to featuring you, but you've got to get your audio in ASAP. So head to the website, speakpipe.com forward slash Gemily. There is a link in the show notes and there's also a link over on my Instagram too. I cannot wait to feature you and hear your voice. This is episode 95. You're in for a treat, my friend, because with Christmas fast approaching, despite the fact that I think Christmas is always fast approaching, but Christmas, our festive season is almost here. And this episode is all about how to amplify your relationship with food. Our guest today is Mel Wells, and Mel is a certified health coach, eating psychology coach, international speaker, and bestselling author of widely acclaimed The Goddess Revolution. She has Hay House's youngest author and has been featured in Forbes Under 30. Women's Health, Cosmopolitan, BBC Radio 1 and more as a leading women's expert in her Mel dedicates her time to helping women worldwide ditch the dieting for good, make peace with food, and love their healthy bodies. Mel empowers women to stop dieting for good and challenge their entire belief system all around food and their bodies by working on the relationship they have with themselves. Now, the reason why you're in for a treat with this episode is this is the exact topic that we cover. In this episode, Mel and I dive into binge eating, bulimia, and anorexia. We talk about food obsession and food addiction, along with how to change your food habits. We mention and discuss how to identify if you have an eating disorder and also how to connect with your intuitive nature of food. Lastly, we wrap it up with self-body thoughts and mindset. This is the episode that you must listen to before any festive season. I trust you're going to enjoy it because I know I learn a lot in this episode and I'm definitely going to be changing my food habits moving forward too. Before we jump into it, I have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by the Well Women Academy. Well Women Academy is a weekly membership where together we study menstrual cycles, holistic health, and how to reconnect with your body. Every month, our Well Women access members-only, self-paced educational content across a wide range of formats, including written, video, audio, and guided home study. Led by myself and other pioneering guest teachers, together we cover fields of ancestral health, Ayurveda, sexuality, sensuality, holistic health, and lots more. This is your chance to join an international supportive community of women to discover your cycle, your body, ignite your inner intuition, and illuminate your life. It's like no other in the world. Not to mention, it's cheaper than your daily coffee fix. Learn more and join us at wellsome.com forward slash academy. That's W-E-L-L. S-O-M-E dot forward slash Academy. Mel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Gemma. So happy to be here. I'm very excited that you're joining us all the way from Costa Rica, a totally different part of mm-hmm. the world that many people have probably never even adventured to before. So thanks for taking mm-hmm. the time. Now, before we get stuck into it, because I've got some beautiful questions for you. Tell us what day of your cycle are you on today and what are you checking in with? How you feel in this moment?
1: Mm, so in terms of the day that I'm on, I've actually got an app that I use to track my cycle. So hmm, it doesn't tell me what day I, oh no, I am. I'm on day 10. So, so I've awesome. I'm ovulating in five days. So I'm in like, I'm in the maiden phase. So this is when I like to be birthing new ideas, be like, launching new projects be brainstorming things be planning things and it's also usually when I'm good at doing PR and podcasts and things like that because I've generally got the energy to to do interviews and conversations and things like that so yeah it's a good time good time to be in my cycle
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's always wonderful when you align your work to things like this like interviews or you know um events or whatnot do you not do you normally do that like is that how you kind of run your business so to speak like syncing that with your cycle
1: i mean i like to think that i do that all the time most of the time i like look at my calendar and i'm like oh that's good that this is lined up but then sometimes i'm like oh this didn't line up why did you do this Mm -hmm. (laughs) so um i'm i would like to think that i'm organized enough to line all my activities up with my cycle but it's just not
0: the truth (laughs) i love that you shared that because it literally is somewhat impossible yeah. A yeah, cycle, I'm in the middle of studying um, natural fertility and natural contraception. And it's so interesting how dynamically different a woman's cycle can be over 20 years and how different mm-hmm. every single cycle can be. And just because you know your cycle, you know, for three months you're really attuned to it, doesn't mean every cycle is going to be like that. <laughs> so sometimes you just can't right. align important things to not be on your period. Let's just say that's generally the biggest goal. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Mm, So I love that you shared that. Thank you. So Mel, tell our listeners and share with me, um, what is it that you do? Because I know you have this podcast called the Love, Sex, Magic podcast. And that's some people like really like, oh, I want to gravitate towards this. And others are like, oh, hang on a second. I don't know about these topics. So tell us a little bit about yourself Mm. and what it is that you do.
1: Yeah. So I've been a coach working with women since 2014. Um, I'm a Hay House author. I've written two books. I've really spent a lot of, a lot of my um, work has been helping women to heal their relationships with food and their bodies. Um, I'm now helping women step more onto a uh, personal development and spiritual path which includes healing and reclaiming their sexuality as well so i've really been coaching and working with women for a long time in various different ways books programs retreats events and um and this
0: podcast is my latest offering to the world if you like amazing and so how did you get into this because i know a lot of women hear this and go wow that sounds amazing that you do all these things But what's your story? Like, how did you become a woman who has authored two books and has been coaching for, God, close to a decade and, you know, helping women? How did this happen for you?
1: Well, you know, I didn't set out to do any of that stuff. You know, I really, I was an actress. That was my first career. I was a TV actress um, on a show in the UK. And um, I had... um, a high functioning eating disorder for seven years when i was in that industry so from the age of 16 all the way up till i was 23 i first of all struggled with anorexia then i swung into binge eating bulimia um and i was miserable and i was living what others thought was this like amazing life like being on the telly being recognized going out to these fancy parties hanging around with these like famous people and I just felt like, Oh my God, this is not it. Like, why do I feel so empty inside? This is not my life. What the hell is going on? And I had like a complete identity crisis because I'd worked my my whole life to, to be on this show. And this was like supposed to be it. And I was just miserable. And I was addicted to food, addicted to dieting. I literally revolved my life around the latest diet that I was doing. Um, And so I got the reason that I got into coaching was because I started going on a healing journey. So I decided to basically leave that industry. Basically, my my dad passed away and it was a big wake up call for me. I decided to basically leave that industry and focus on my own healing journey, uh, which is when I trained to become a health coach. And um, yeah, at first I really thought that like healing my eating disorder would happen if I knew the perfect diet and if I was the perfect vegan health coach didn't really work out like that I just developed like (laughs) a new a new set of obsessive rules to follow and became uh you know like obsessed with clean eating and juice cleansing and it was just a whole different kind of monster um and it was only really when I started focusing on self-love and intuitive eating and actually just like letting go of all the diets letting go of the scales getting rid of them um not tracking or controlling anything and actually coming home to my body listening to my body learning how to love myself which sounds really cheesy if you're not on this path and at the time for me it was super super cheesy but for me I I've always really wanted to be a mum I'm not a mum yet but like it's a big part of who I feel I am is, um, I feel like I'm a mother. I'm a mother in my business. I'm a mother to this dog that I have next to me. And I feel like a part of my purpose is one day to be a mother. And so I was this like high functioning bulimic uh, who was like trying to be the perfect vegan. And when I fell into like, well, how would I treat my body if I was pregnant? it was completely different than Mm -hmm. how I was currently treating my body. So I was like, well, if I was growing a human, if I was responsible for growing another person inside of this body, there is no way I would be standing on the scales every morning. There is no way I would be like doing juice cleanses. There is no way that I would be obsessively counting every calorie and looking at the back of every single packet. I would know to just listen to my body and give her what she needs and love her and, you know, be gentle and, I just intuitively knew that's how I should treat my body. So I decided, well, if I was going to do that for a child, then I can damn well do it for myself. So I basically went on this journey of self-love and intuitive eating and started sharing what I was learning along the way with anyone that would listen, clients, people online, on social media. And this really developed into this, this coaching business. And, um, yeah, I started really serving and showing up for women around the world in a big way. First of all, around food then around self-love. And, um, this has just kind of led into self-development and spirituality and, and all of these beautiful things that I'm now so passionate about. But, um, yeah, it was, it was not a part of the plan, but now I'm like, oh, this was my purpose. And the universe has always been leading me to this my whole life. So it's all, it's all perfect. And I can't think of anything else I'd rather do with my life. Honestly.
0: I love this story, especially the the point that you made about how would I treat my body if I were pregnant? Because Mm -hmm. it's interesting, you know, like a very close person to me in my life at the moment is pregnant. And pregnancy, all stages of pregnancy right through to labor for a woman is the ultimate surrender because mm. you are not in control of your body. You're not in control of how she feels. And it might change within a five minute period of time, her energy levels, anything literally. And so it really is the ultimate surrender. And I love you know, how your journey has come like from so many different places around food and your, your habits with food and your beliefs in food at those times. And it just goes to show to our listeners that things can change. You know, you're, you're not, you're not the same, like you're not stuck in anything. Everything's evolving and changing. And Mm -hmm. I just wanted to to highlight what you mentioned at the start about, you know, this might sound a little bit woohoo about the whole self-love, but your journey now at this spiritual stage, I think from my perspective, your journey with spirituality is only truly possible when you have a clean vessel, you know, when your body is clean and you're able to channel good energy, then you're able to to get a little bit further on with your own Mm. spiritual journey. But let's, um, let's talk about food in general and addictions with food and obsessions with food.
1: Mm.
0: I feel in the work that I do with women around their menstrual cycles every woman has a particular food that triggers them off or that isn't safe in their house, particularly mm. premenstruals time of their, of their cycle. But what is, what is it like living with a food addiction and how did you recognize that you had this obsession with being on the diet wagon or being on the food wagon and I guess res- it's restrictive eating? How yeah. does, like what was the what was the realization you're like, oh my god, um uh, this is this is where I'm at.
1: Well, honestly, there were times that I felt like I was a drug addict to be honest, like I would be like going into service stations and um you know shops on the side of the street and spending like thirty pounds on junk food and then coming home and binging on it. so like I felt like an addict. I felt like I was compulsively being dragged into these shops by a force that by this force within me this monster within me right so there were times where I felt like that and there were also times where I was so controlled and obsessive around food that I literally would revolve my entire day around my eating habits and being able to get my exact workout in and um if I didn't I would literally have a meltdown so I, I think I knew all along that it wasn't healthy, but I was in denial about it because all of these restrictive habits had become this kind of coping mechanism, this comfort familiar um, strategy that I had to cope with my life. And I really, you know, from all the work that I've done healing myself and then helping so many people, I really feel that when we have an addiction, whether it is with food, whether it is with alcohol, whether it is with with drugs, with anything, but, you know, with food especially, I feel that it's a real indicator of a spiritual hunger. So a deep, deep hunger and craving for something else, for some kind of soul connection. So we are not in addictive relationships with food when we are completely fulfilled, completely living our purpose, in our alignment, you know, living our purpose, moving forward, connecting with the universe, like it's not a part of our lives. It comes into our life as a teacher, as a way to kind of show us you're not living the life that you're supposed to be living. You know, there's an emptiness, there's a void that you're trying to fill with food that can actually only be filled from within, from finding a deeper connection. So all of these like triggers that people have around food, I always say like, see them as your teachers. Like they're trying to point you in the direction of where there's something that's out of alignment, some place where you're not living in true integrity with your soul. Um, and that can that can be everyone's individual journey of like going on that that quest within of like okay for me i was like you know an actress that was on tv and it was literally why was i if that was what i was meant to be doing with my life then why was i so miserable and addicted to food at that time of my life right as soon as i started actually thinking how can i be of service to others and i started turning my attention to my inner healing journey And so I'd actually, um, showing up in service before you knew it, I'm like, I'm getting so much more out of this than I ever got Mm. from, from being on TV, which was supposed to be the be all and end all. Right. Um, suddenly I'm like helping people and that is the medicine, you know, that doing the inner healing work is the medicine. So, um, yeah, I think we only fall into these addictive, um, patterns and habits when we are either disconnected isolated unfulfilled um lonely um you know and really in need of a deep connection and community
0: oh i'm loving this so much it's it's kind of like the food is the avoider you know mm-hmm. from for not looking at the, the other aspects of your life it really kind of yeah sh- creates like brain fog you could say it's kind of like life fog yeah completely up.
1: and that's my my second book is actually all about this it's called hungry for more so it talks about how when we're reaching for the food or the alcohol or whatever it is and it feels compulsive there's a difference between like reaching for food because you're hungry and reaching for food because you're like I need it to like like I need it to like fill this hole in my life right so the book uh hungry for more which is my second book it's really about like finding out what are we really hungry for underneath those emotional eating and underneath the binge eating like what what are our souls really hungry for often when we find ourselves in these patterns it's because our soul is really hungry for us to change our life you know we've been in a relationship for too long that doesn't serve us we've been in a job that we hate uh for so long and we've just kept going you know we're living in an environment that's draining us or not inspiring us you know we want more freedom we want more pleasure we want more adventure and we're not listening to our souls and so these patterns are showing up in form of obsessively eating or obsessively controlling or drinking loads of alcohol and it's a it's a wake-up call you know it's like come on your soul's like come on time to get into alignment wake up this is not working for you you know time
0: to change the the, the direction of the ship (laughs) I love it I know that we're talking about it in the, the context of food but the addiction can be with so many things You know, I find today like mobile devices are like such you can be so addicted to that and not actually connecting with what's going on in your life that you're just connecting Mm. with something else. And that can be going to the gym or being obsessed with going to yoga or whatever. But. Mm. For the listeners who are listening to this, Mel, thinking, okay, I've recognized I've had a little bit of of this behavior and maybe there is a bit of shift going on in my life. How does one kind of rewrite a food story for themselves or break free of Mm. bad habits? And I don't like calling them bad, Mm. but they're just habits that aren't serving. You know, where like a woman listening to this, where could she start with going, okay, I've recognized from listening to this podcast that I've probably got a food habit that I could change, but where do I start? What would you recommend?
1: Yeah, so the first thing I would do is like do a bit of a scan of your life and like uh, really like acknowledge like what am I actually addicted to? Like are there things that I have in my life that I actually feel like I can't live without? So for me that was the scales. Um, it was I was also taking fat burners and different oh, just crap like that, right? But for me the biggest thing was the scales. And then I think I also had like a couple of apps that I was like hooked on tracking things with and so the first step for me was like right that stuff needs to go because as long as I am hooked on that and reliant and dependent on that to feel good I'm not going to ever be free so I got rid of my scales I deleted all the apps I unfollowed like a whole bunch of like uh health and wellness
0: and fitness that people really that really actually like it feels really liberating doing that unfollowing people where you feel oh. like you might be comparing
1: yeah, yeah. And just anyone that for me, like, I was always like, following all these, like, super, um, you know, I don't want to say like, super skinny, but like, yeah, like women that were like, very, very tiny and promoting um, very restrictive diets, right. So I had to unfollow a bunch of those people. And I had to get rid of my scales. And I'm really proud to say that, like, you know, six years on I've never owned a pair of scales since I've never gone back to any of that so if you're really committed to being free and having an intuitive loving relationship with yourself your body and food you've got to get rid of that stuff that's really imprisoning you whether that is the scales whether that is my fitness pal whether that is you know any kind of apps or people that you're following that kind of thing that would be the first step and then I would really just start to get curious about your patterns around food so let's say that you notice that you come in from a stressful day at work and you have this habit of like if you've had a stressful day you stop at the shop and you like you have to have like this chocolate bar right and you eat it on your way home from work it happens and Uh, Yeah, of course. Right. So like, just instead of like judging yourself, like, oh, my God, that's so bad. Why did I do that? Why am I like this? No, just like get curious as to like, okay, what is actually causing me to do this? You know, is it because I actually feel like I didn't stand up for myself today? Is it because I feel lonely? Is it because I feel sad? Is it because I feel bored? You know, there's all these different reasons that we turn to food. um, And, If we can really get curious about why am I turning to it, then we can understand what is it that I really need. For example, if someone's eating biscuits at their desk mindlessly every day and they ask themselves, why am I doing this? Like, is it because I really want these biscuits or is it because something else? Then they'll realize, oh, it's actually because I'm bored out of my brain. (laughs) You know, well, (laughs) what am I really hungry for? Well, what I'm really hungry for if you're willing to like sit with that is like probably a change of job like probably a, like probably something that's actually going to stimulate your mind and your brain so you know it's often it's often like deeper questions and bigger life changes that that need to be made you know so yeah I would just get really curious about these patterns in a really loving way like what's this trigger? here to show me like what could this be Um, without being judgmental just being very loving and compassionate and
0: curious is the way to do it. Mm, curiosity is so important I feel that as children you know when we're born with these seven senses we lose the first two and then we lose our curiosity about Oh, what does this tree feel like? And what does this smell like? You know, kids just reach for the stupidest things. As an adult, you'd think I would never put that thing near my nose and smell it. But we lose that curiosity as adults. And I think it's kind of like the numbness. People are living their lives in autopilot, just going on and, okay, this is my job and this is my life and this is my relationship. And they're numbing the pain by, mm. by eating and I think, you know, I call it dashboard dieting, you know, when you're sitting at your desk and you're just eating and you don't actually, you're not connected with your food at all. Mm. There's such great points. And I wrote down when you said, you know, what can't you live without? I think a really big one, Mel, and tell me if you've noticed this, but I feel a big one is mirrors. Like if you if you live in a house that has lots of mirrors around mm-hmm. and you're you're looking at yourself and you're comparing and two clients I've recently worked with who are, going through challenges with their skin and they're constantly picking and comparing their skin health. And they feel like they they have more and more acne. I I literally told them to throw out all of their mirror, their mirrors, except for the one in the bathroom. That's kind of like normally against the wall, (laughs) stuck there Mm. for good. And just that small change, you know, things that they thought that they couldn't live without a mirror has just made such a big difference. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, I could never live without the scales. Try it you know mel's not telling you to burn it just try it for a month and see how you go um i love that yeah. Yeah. no i
1: i am telling you to burn it i'm telling you to like literally chuck it in the bin and never ever go back okay there you go
0: you've heard it you need to burn it i haven't owned but scales um... for well over a decade and i think yeah if we, good if we talk about the weight thing i'm six foot tall and so for me at school growing up everyone kind of comparing their weight, I was always so much heavier because I was so much taller. And I really mm. always felt like I was overweight. Even though I never was overweight, I felt that way because I was heavier. And it wasn't until yeah. I started to to get into competitive sport to realize that, oh, my body's built differently. So that's why I weigh a different weight. And then I just threw out the scales and I just mm. I, I literally just never mm. went back. And um, it's, so liberating. Good. it's so liberating not having to be attached to it. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah. And on that note that you were making about mirrors, I just want to touch on that, because I think we often when we think about like loving our bodies, we immediately go to, well, my body doesn't look the way that I want it to look, so I can't love it. Right. We immediately go to how it looks in the mirror. Um, But when we actually take our attention off the mirrors, what we can actually do is focus on how does it feel to live in my body? Like, how does my body feel as my home, as my friend, as this beautiful temple that I get to live in and be with every day? How does my body feel when I eat certain foods? How does my body feel when I do certain workouts? How does my body feel when I sleep a certain amount of hours every night? You know, and so part of the journey of loving your body is actually getting to know how to work with your body and be in relationship with how it feels to be in your body rather than how does my body look in the mirror, right? So when we take our attention off the reflection and put it back inside, how does my body feel? That is like how we really start to love our bodies because we're learning to listen to them. We're learning to connect to them. We're learning to trust them. That's what this game is all about. That's what this whole, if you really want to transform your relationship with your body and food it's about that connection that you have when you close your eyes, you tune in, you listen to your body, right? Because like you said, we're so on autopilot. We've been taught, you know, you eat your breakfast at this time, you lunch at this time, you dinner at this time. And people are eating either when they're emotional, when they're bored, or just because someone said, it's lunchtime, eat something, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of actually tuning in, And listening, like, am I hungry now? right now? What's going to nourish me? How's my body feeling right now? And so intuitive eating is really like a moment-to-moment communication with how it feels to be in your body. So if you really want to learn how to love your body, yes, take your attention away from the reflection and place it into how you feel. And when you do that, when you develop that relationship with your body, what you see in the mirror will start to change because you're seeing it through the lens of, And you're not seeing it as a project, something to change, you're seeing it through the lens of my friend, my home, my teammate, you know, and so that, you know, you work on the insides, the outsides take care of themselves.
0: I have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my brand new five-day Love Your Cycle mini course, a simplified self-paced course to teach you the foundations and fundamentals of your menstrual cycle in under a week. Receive daily educational class videos and audios, along with action steps, a cycle tracking guide, cycle prompts, and my Love Your Cycle 50-page ebook. This is your chance to discover everything you wish they had have taught you at school about your cycle, how to eat, how to move, honoring your emotions, and identifying PMS and cycle signs before they arise. It's now your turn to join over 300 women from around the world who have already taken this course to reclaim and reconnect with their bodies. And you can do this too in under a week for less than a fancy vegan burger. To learn more, visit wellsome.com forward slash shop. And to thank you for being an amazing listener of this podcast, I want to offer you a 20% off voucher code. Use the code cycle love at checkout to save. Oh, I love that you work on the insides and the outsides take care of themselves. It's one of the, the biggest things I've noticed Mel around cycle tracking when women use a written tracker, because it's, you have to check in with your body every day and then put pen to paper, it, it literally just a minute. It doesn't take long, but they start mm-hmm. to recognize that, oh, my body's changing every day. And because my body's changing every day, oh, my food habits are changing every day. And sometimes I I crave more food and I'm a little bit more emotional or I feel more content and happy and I actually desire less food. Just that one thing that you mentioned about just turning inwards rather than looking for Mm -hmm. the answer, the answers, sorry, outwards, like it's huge. So when we go through this process that you're explaining and, and women become more conscious eaters, more intuitive eaters, what does that feel like? Because I know that some women are like, "Dude, that's a pipe dream. <laughs> that is never gonna happen for me. Like, I cannot not eat whatever it is, like peanut butter sandwiches or you know packets of chips. Like, there's no way I could possibly live with that." But what does it what does it feel like, you know, to be a conscious eater and to live with intuitive eating?
1: Well, firstly, it's just it's freedom. You know, you're not spending all, every single waking moment of your life, thinking about food, obsessing about your next meal. And then it frees up so much more space in your life to focus on things that are actually really important, like your purpose, like how you're showing up in service to the world. Um, But you can't do that if you're obsessing about your body or about the piece of cake that you had 48 hours ago, or you just can't, right? So you are... You, I mean, you are completely limitless. Like your potential is completely limitless. You can be, do, have absolutely anything you want in this world. So you can definitely shift a habit around food. And, you know, to the, to your point earlier, you said there's, you know, everyone has that one food that they like keep going back to. Uh, from my work, usually this this food, if you have like a real emotional go-to food it's usually um connected to a memory from your childhood. Yes. So, you know, if there's like a peanut butter sandwich that is like your go-to thing, you know, we can usually trace that back to like, well, what was your first memory of having peanut butter sandwiches? Oh, well, my dad used to make them for me when I used to go around to his at the weekend and, and okay, so how did that feel? Well, it felt like love and comfort and safety. And okay, so when you're actually having the peanut butter sandwich, what you're actually craving hungry for is love connection and safety yeah it's not actually the peanut butter sandwich it's what it represents emotionally to you so I think when when people start to realize that then they can go ah okay I can actually give myself love and connection and safety without feeding my body something that I always regret and always you know don't feel good about
0: afterwards I have chills that you mentioned that because that's how I teach around intuitive eating. And it's so paramount. I just want everyone listening to this to pause and I want you to go back a minute and I want you to re-listen <laughs> to that because it takes time for it to sink in. And I want you to just do that and think about the one or two or whatever, however many foods it is, but just pick one and ask yourself that same question that Mel just, you know, proposed is, you know, what's your earliest memory of that food? That Mm. that is where I feel unlocking, you know, your food habits around particular food addictions can come from. And I love that you mentioned that. I'm so excited that you did. Now, let's talk about, to switch gears a little bit, understanding feminine and masculine energy around food,
1: because Mm. I know you're
0: stepping into this, you know, this new aspect of your work with reclaiming sexual wellness and getting into spiritual, you know, um, healing and I guess, just awareness of of one's body is how Mm. does the feminine energy and the masculine energy kind of integrate with with food habits and then that process of stepping into more spirituality?
1: Mm, Yeah, so the masculine side is probably what a lot of people are accustomed to. It's the kind of formulaic, systematized uh, ways of eating so it's very controlled it's restrictive it's like do these things get this result it's very direct so uh, you know if you've got a meal plan from any trainer or nutritionist or eat these things then you will lose this amount of weight that is like you know x plus y equals z um that's like the masculine way of doing things which te- which is why that kind of Way of eating tends to work great for men or women that have a lot of masculine energy. Um, The feminine way of doing things is a lot more intuitive, a lot more led by emotions, a lot more like, "Oh, how do I feel? What do I want?" It's a lot more pleasure-led, like, "Oh, what's going to really tantalize my taste buds? What's going to nourish me? What's going to, you know, delight me?" That's the feminine, right? So most people from my experience what I see most people in wellness need more of the feminine energy when it comes to their eating habits and less of the masculine energy so if you see like masculine is that the science of food so like x protein y carbs z fat equals the perfect combination whatever right it's like the very kind of scientific macros oh, counting restriction yeah Exactly. So the people that do the best on that are going to be um, definitely men, anyone with a lot of masculine energy, right? So this is why it works with like uh, bodybuilding, competitive fitness, very, very masculine, right? But for feminine beings, we really are led by emotions, feelings, intuition, nourishment, pleasure, desire, Um, so really allowing that to come in and play a part is so so healing if you think about it like the masculine is nutrition the feminine is the nourishment we can like feel the difference between like someone that has good nutrition and someone that knows how to nourish themselves yeah it's like that is it's a different feeling it's a different approach but when we are able to like see this in our own habits and actually go oh okay I'm going to focus on nourishment and pleasure and like following what I deeply desire you know and bringing more of that feminine energy into our eating it can be so so healing for people especially if you have got an eating disorder or you've got a lot of controlling um, fear-based habits around food and being in control because just in my experience what i've seen a lot with clients is a lot of the reasons a lot of women that have eating disorders or um very very controlling relationships with food there's actually been some kind of disconnect or rupture with the feminine uh before that to happen so they kind of really identify with these kind of masculine controlling structures so sometimes you know that means that the work that i'm doing with women requires them to actually do some healing with their, with their mother wound, with the, with their early experiences of the feminine energy and the feminine uh, qualities um, because the masculine takes such a, such a dominant seat for them in their lives.
0: I could not agree more. Literally. I love how you classified mm-hmm. masculine is the nutrition and feminine is like the nourishment because you can't, you're imbalanced if you can't live with both energy systems. And so you have to understand there is a beautiful art of dance. It's kind of like salsa. (laughs) You know, you Mm. need the masculine to lead the feminine, but the feminine has to surrender into like the senses of of the experience and that is the nourishment. I love that so much. Mm. Um, A question for our listeners, I feel a lot more women today are challenged with some kind of disordered eating whether it's like a clinical diagnosis or, you know, just restrictive eating as in like, I'm going to buy this. I'm not going to eat it. I'm just going to keep it in the cupboard or I'm not buying this food because it's not safe in my house or, you know, whatever the, the, the experience may be, but how would a woman Mel, because you've lived through this experience yourself, how would a woman identify if they had some kind of eating restriction or eating disorder? Cause I feel that some women are so in it. They don't realize but what are some mm. of the easy steps to recognizing, okay, maybe maybe they're talking to me right now. Maybe, maybe I have a little bit, bit of disordered mm. eating.
1: Mm. Well, the first thing that's coming up for me as you as you ask this is like, how do you feel towards yourself and your body? If all of your feelings towards your body and yourself are feelings of disgust, of punishment, of you're not good enough, of you need to change. And all of your food choices are coming from that place, that place of fear, of judgment, of criticizing, of not being good enough, of self-hate, then yeah, it's very likely that that there's there's some there's some stuff to look at. And I'm not gonna say you've got an eating disorder, that means you're broken. No, it doesn't mean you're broken. It just means that you know, there's some stuff, there's some healing to be done. And we've all got healing to do. And, you know, if you are experiencing um, uh, disordered eating, self-hate, restrictive habits around food, then it's there for a reason. It's there to help you get into alignment in your life. And I promise you going on that healing journey is going to be literally the best thing you've ever given to yourself. It will be like the biggest gift of your life. So um, definitely lean into it. Definitely get curious, like, ooh, this is interesting, something to look at for me, something for me to heal. Like this is going to help me change my life for the better. Right. So really trust that. So, yeah, how you feel about your body is a big thing. How often you think about food, like if you're thinking about food like night and day and you revolve your life around your meal times and your shopping trips and, you know, making sure that you can have specific meals at specific times, then, yeah, like that's an issue because you deserve to have a life that flows and your purpose on this planet is not to control your food and control your weight you're here for bigger things than that so mm. if you notice that all of your energy in your headspace is being spent thinking about food then it's time to look at that because that's actually blocking you from living your most authentic life so there's there's you have a purpose there is something inside of you that is dying to come out but when you're spending your whole life obsessing over food you're literally cock blocking it from happening so like you're that. cock blocking
0: <laughs> you are you
1: just are okay because there are no women that are changing the world while they're busy obsessing about food
0: and their weight and their dieting it's just wow. not possible to do both it's not so. and it's and that obsession can be a, to towards anything like if you're obsessed mm-hmm. with going to the gym or doing crossfit or going to Mm -hmm. yoga, like anything in excess is is unhealthy. Like think about it, drinking Mm -hmm. too much water, unhealthy. Too much sunshine, unhealthy. Too much sleep can also be unhealthy. So it's about finding that really beautiful balance and you've explained it so well. So I've got a final podcast question for you before we wrap up with the final guest question is everyone now understands how to kind of identify with their eating habits and ways that they can kind of make shifts. But if a woman is kind of through this part of their journey already, but they're like, okay, I'm ready to be the intuitive eater. What are three simple steps that you would give to a woman or a male about how they can connect with the intuitive sense of food or the intuitive way of eating? Mm. Yeah.
1: So the first thing that I would say is be patient because especially if you've got a history of disordered eating, it's not necessarily just going to be an overnight success. Um, You know, there will be times where you might slip into old habits or forget, (laughs) you know, and so just be really kind to yourself and be really patient with yourself on this journey Um, and really continue to remind yourself why you're doing this. Continue to remind yourself, like I always have to tell people in my programs, like you've got to prioritize your healing over weight loss. So if you're thinking I'm going to be an intuitive eater so that I can lose weight, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Prioritize your healing and really commit to your healing above any kind of weight change. Right. Because as soon as you start thinking about, oh, my God, am I losing weight? Am I gaining weight? Um, Then you're not focused on your your healing anymore. So that would be the first thing that I would say. And then the next thing you can do is really start like giving your body the chance to be hungry and communicate with you that it's hungry so if you're used to eating on autopilot the chances are you don't even know what your hunger cues feel like anymore so give your body a, a chance point. yeah it's give it a, really your body like a good chance. Today. yeah it could be that like every morning you wake up and you like on autopilot just like wolf down this like big green smoothie at 6am because it's what some nutritionist told you to do right but actually if you listen to your body you might wake up and your body's just like not even hungry until like 10 or 11, right? So give your body like chance to actually come online and actually talk to you. So register what it feels like to experience hunger. Yeah. And then the second thing is like register what it feels like to experience fullness and when it comes to fullness again a lot of people have um disconnected or or lost touch with what it feels like to be full because if you're an overeater you are so used to eating past that point of fullness into the point of pain discomfort Mm. um you know which is a kind of self-harm that we can perpetuate when we have um uh unresolved issues around food so when you're eating pay attention to like okay how does my body feel every step of the journey with this with this meal that I'm eating like I always say like have you got a happy tummy right it sounds like I'm talking to a kid but I I always think like is my tummy happy right because there's a point you're eating say you're eating a big meal your tummy feels happy oh it's so good so satisfying my tummy feels happy and then there's like a threshold where you know that if you keep going you're not going to have a happy tummy anymore, right? But when you've got a disordered relationship with food, you likely completely bulldoze that, ignore it, and just go straight past it, right? So it's just like when you're on this journey, you've got to just register how these different sensations feel in your body. How does it feel to be hungry? How does it feel to be full? How does it feel to be satisfied? How does it feel to be peckish? How does it feel to be overstuffed? You know, and so it's this communication with the body that's going to be absolutely um, the most powerful
0: healing tool for you. Oh, I love those, like such great tips. And if you haven't written those down because you feel like you're <laughs> going to forget, you have to come back and re-listen to those. Mel, I've absolutely loved having you on the show and explaining all of this because I feel like this is a topic that's it's talked about but I don't think there's enough support and acknowledgement for how real a challenge it can be. Mm -hmm. And I think the world that we live in with available information everywhere, we're so looking for the answer outside of ourselves when you said earlier Mm -hmm. and I believe this too with cycle awareness, the answer's are already inside you. You just have to connect with those. Mm. So I love that you kind of reiterate that and we're on the same page. And thank you so much for like sharing all of your beautiful wisdom around all of these topics with food and habits and obsession and intuition. Um, but yeah, tell us before pleasure. I get into the final question, how can our listeners find you? Mm, yeah, come and hang out with me on Instagram
1: at I am Mel Wells, or my website is just melwells.com. You can find my books on Amazon and yeah, just drop me a DM. Let me know that you found
0: me via this podcast and let's hang out. Amazing. Mel, thank you so much. Final question. I ask all of this, all of our guests this question. So it's completely changing gears, but Mm -hmm. what are three things or tips that you wish you had have known as a young teen or tween menstruating for the first time that you now know today about your body?
1: Mm, I would say that your period is magic mm-hmm. <laughs> like I wish I would have known that um it's not something to be embarrassed about and what else yeah like just like talk about it with with the other girls so I think I was too embarrassed to like talk about it so I would say like open up and talk about it with other women and yeah like it's it's a magical part of being a woman so embrace it amazing
0: thank you so much thanks for joining us on the show I've learned heaps even though I know a lot about this topic already. (laughs) like I've learned even more so thank you so much (laughs) my pleasure thank you so much for having me you're very welcome thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the well women podcast I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect, and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister, or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode share it on your social media, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together we can all live in flow, harmony and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag WellWomenPodcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.